Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Said, Amen. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. You may be seated. Now, how many of you use the YouVersion Bible app? Now, for some of you who may be new, I put all of my notes on that Bible app so you can follow along with me, or you can save it to your device and look at it later and take your own notes. So if you're looking at how to find the notes, you can go to where it says more on the YouVersion Bible app. You see about three lines right there. Hit the more, and it says find events. You'll see Faith Christian Center. You'll see our notes from Wednesday, as well as our notes from today, The Blessing Brings Overflow Part 2. Go ahead and hit that. Save it to your device, and then you can look at it later or follow along with me. And if you have your other Bibles, you can open them with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, we started the overflow series in April, and now it's June, so it's overflowing a few months. And so we've talked about over this series, overflowing with the grace of God, overflowing with hope, overflowing with encouragement, overflowing with His Spirit. And last week, we started talking about how God wants us to overflow in our finances. Amen. And so if you miss any of these messages, I encourage you to go to our website or subscribe to the Faith Podcast. We put all of our messages up there for free because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we want you to grow in your faith. Amen? So Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 11. And it says, And the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods in the fruit of your body, and in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your ground, and in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give you. The Lord shall open to you his good treasure, the heaven to give rain unto your land in his season, and to bless all the work of your hand, and you shall lend to many nations, and shall not borrow. Another translation says of verse 11, the Lord will make you overflow in prosperity. God desires that you overflow in prosperity. Now, that word treasure, to do a little bit of review before we jump into where we're going today, that word treasure means treasure house or a storehouse. One version of the Bible says a well-stocked storehouse. Another version calls it sky vaults. Simply, there's a storehouse is where you keep abundance. A storehouse is where you keep abundance. It's a storage facility or a warehouse for which you cannot currently store in your house. God has a storehouse in heaven, and there are things there with your name on it. God has a storehouse in heaven, but there are things there with your name on it. Now, one of the things people are like, oh, that's great. I'll get it when I get to heaven. But what's in the storehouse isn't meant for heaven. It's meant for this earth. That's why we looked at Psalm 31, verse 19. It says, oh, how great is thy goodness. And we said that word great means abounding, abundant, exceedingly. The word goodness means prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the farthest extreme. So, oh, how great, abounding, abundant, exceedingly is your goodness, prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, good to the farthest extreme, which you have laid up or reserved for them that reverence you which you have wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. So that goodness that is laid up in the storehouse isn't meant for heaven. It's meant for people to see it on this earth. So I'll say amen. amen. Go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. 
Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. Do a little bit more review. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh broke. The blessing of the Lord, it causes you to have just enough. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh broke so CNN can be happy with you. The blessing of the Lord, it make it broke so the news don't talk about you. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he adds no sorrow or painful toil with it. Now, before people try to religiously weasel the way out of the word rich, here's some definitions for the word rich. Having a great deal of resources, wealthy, abundant, plentiful, opulent, possessing a large portion of land, goods or money, or a larger person that is common to other men or to men of like rank, having an abundant supply. If it is abundant supply, it is an overflowing supply. The blessing is designed to enrich you and cause you to have an overflowing supply. The blessing brings overflow. As we said last week, there is a way to get rich in the world, but it comes with sorrow and painful toil. It comes with scars that you don't heal from. The blessing is the way to become rich without the sorrow and the painful toil. Now, don't say, well, the blessing, I can become rich and don't have to work. Do not lie on my Jesus. Jesus told me to quit my job and stay at home. No, he didn't. The Bible also says the person who doesn't work doesn't eat. And how many of you like eating? How many of you plan to eat real soon as soon as I say the last amen? Yeah. <laughs> Remember, Deuteronomy 28 says he'll bless the work of your hands. So if you want the blessing to rest on something, go to work. Amen? So don't just think I'm going to work. Oh, it's just me. No, no, I'm blessed. The blessing's going to come upon my job. It doesn't matter if I don't know what to do. The blessing's going to get involved, and I'm going to know what to do. Do you know what happens if you're an employee and you always know what to do? You get promoted. You become vital to the company. Become that person because the blessing of the Lord. So the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and adds no sorrow with it. What is the blessing? We see a different definition. It says it's the benediction of God, which the result is prosperity and good of every kind. The implication of the blessing is prosperity. So in short, the blessing is the empowerment to prosper. So before you say, well, prosper only means spiritual things. The word prosper means to succeed in material terms, to be financially successful to flourish physically, to grow strong and healthy, to make successful, to grow or increase, to thrive, to make gain, to succeed in business affairs. So the blessing is the empowerment to succeed in material terms, to be financially successful, to flourish physically, to grow strong and healthy, to make successful. It is the empowerment to grow or increase, to thrive, to make gain, and to succeed in business affairs. Last week, we said the tithe is our connection point to the outpouring of the blessing. We said continually tithing puts us in a position to continually receive an overflow of the blessing. We also covered that there are different levels to the manifestation of the blessing, and there are different amounts that can be active in your life. How do we know that? Romans 15, 29, Paul says, I want to come to you in the fullness of the blessing. Deuteronomy 33, 23, it talks about the children of Tali, how they were full with the blessing of the Lord. So there are different levels to the manifestation of the blessing, and there's different amounts that can be active in your life. 
Last week we said sexual immorality, strife, and words of doubt can short circuit and limit the blessing from working at its highest level in our lives. We said sexual immorality, strife, and words of doubt can short circuit and limit the blessing from working at its highest level in our lives. Now we concluded last week's message that in the blessing, gathering is required. In the blessing, gathering is required. Isaac would never have known he received a hundredfold if he didn't gather. Joseph would have never known Egypt had that surplus if he didn't gather. The 12 disciples would never known that there were 12 baskets left over if they didn't gather. Jehoshaphat and his kingdom would never known that all the people, all the enemies brought riches to the battle if they didn't go out and gather. So in the blessing, gathering is required. And so I gave y'all some homework, which a lot of y'all did not do. Number one, we said look for sales. You know, I really think every time I say that, the ladies can give me a big amen, but y'all missing your opportunity. I'll try again. Number one, look for sales. Number two, look for opportunities and investments. Number three, look for discounts of the things you already normally buy. I heard some of the husbands get involved on that one. <laughs> Number four, if you have loans with bad rates, look to refinance with a better rate. Amen. Number five, look for unexpected incomes and gifts. Amen. So we said, as you look for these things and find them, write it down. Write down how much you save from the sales, the discounts, the refinancing, and et cetera, and total it. Write down the opportunities and the investments, the profit of those things. Write down the unexpected income and the gifts that come in. Total it. What do you have right there? Harvest. Harvest that we actually look over and we don't think of a harvest. We think harvest has to come this way, but you've been harvesting all the time. But a lot of times you don't realize it's harvest because you save money and spend it on something else. Right? So before you say, well, I haven't harvested, no, you have been harvesting. You just already spent your harvest. Now, he's like, well, I wanted my bank account to fill up. It would if you would take your harvest and put it in your bank account instead of giving it to Target. It's like, I went for a roll of toilet paper. I left out with two baskets full. Save your harvest for something else. Now, if you need to get something for Target, use your harvest for that. If not, store it up. Amen? And so I talked to a few individuals who did what I said, and they said there are some things that happened this week that they would have not even paid attention to if we didn't say, write it down. And I'm talking about these weren't small testimonies. These are things in the thousands of dollars. I may get into it weeks later, but something happened for me and the first lady this week that saved us thousands of dollars. The blessing of the Lord. Harvest comes in many different ways, but you'll miss it if you don't look for it. You'll miss it if you don't gather. So that's last week's message. Go to Proverbs chapter 1. The blessing brings overflow. The blessing is the empowerment to prosper. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It says, the fear or the reverence of the Lord is the beginning or the principal part of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom. Wisdom is correctly applied knowledge and instruction. This word instruction here means correction. Skip down to verse 32. It says, for the turning away or the backsliding of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. 
it is possible for foolish people to prosper. How many have ever seen foolish people make a lot of money? You see it on the news sometimes. But that prosperity will ruin them. Because money is not good or bad. It's just an amplifier. And if you were bad before, once you get money, it's going to be amplified. People say, oh, that money really changed their mind. No, they were always crazy. They're just too broke for you to notice before. (laughs) And they got some money, and then now everyone can see, oh, they are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Oh, they became so mean after they got money. No, they were mean before. They're just so broke. You just didn't notice. Money's not good nor bad. It's an amplifier. It's a tool. See, every believer, every person has to pass the money test. Everybody will be tested by money, whether it's little or whether it's a lot. Because it talks about the root of all evil is the love of money. It didn't say money. It says the love of money. When you look at that word in the Greek, it's avarice, which means extreme greed. So extreme greed is the root of all evil. You can be extremely greedy and be broke. You can be extremely greedy and be rich. You can be extremely greedy and barely have enough. What's in your bank account does not define greed. Your heart does. So your mentality and your heart will determine what money does to you. And so it says here, prosperity destroys, or another version, ruins the fool. But under the blessing, God wants us to grow in wisdom so that prosperity does not ruin us but enhance us. The blessing of the Lord that prospers you will also come with wisdom so that when the prosperity comes, you now have the wisdom to know how to correctly manage it. Go to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. Proverbs 24, verse 3. I encourage you, you've never read through Proverbs, read it through. Start in the month of July, read a proverb every day. It's like, oh, that was good, do it again. One of the reasons the book of Proverbs was written, so you can become smarter. Especially one of the things I encourage our youth and our teenagers to read, it's written so that teenagers will begin to understand the principles of life. When you read Proverbs chapter 1, 1 through 6, it says why it is written. One of the reasons it says it's written is to keep young men from the strange woman. And if you didn't say, no, what is a strange woman, Pastor? Does anybody want to know what the strange woman is? <laughs> or the last few weeks, y'all got kind of figured out who the strange woman is. <laughs> Listen to last week's message. <laughs> Proverbs 24, verse 3. Through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. So when you build your life, you're supposed to build it by wisdom. So as you grow in wisdom and understanding and knowledge, your life in the house you built is filled with precious and pleasant riches. It says a wise man is strong. But if you're going to grow in wisdom, you understand I need to increase in strength. So how strong I am today is not as strong as it should be tomorrow. I should increase in strength. This word strength is not just strong in natural power, but that's true as well. It's also in wealth. So the wise person is looking at how to increase their wealth. I'll say it again. The wise person is looking how to increase their wealth and increase their strength. Very simply, 
if your hope is in the American dollar, as well, although it is strong, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, it's not going to be worth the same amount. So people are like, oh, yeah, it's great to be a millionaire. Now, that's good. But when I was in one of my financial classes, I said, oh, are you? They said, yeah, being a millionaire is good, but by the time y'all retire, a million dollars is going to be nothing. Y'all better have multiple millions. Why? The value goes down. But the blessing is not contained or controlled by the American dollar, nor the euro, nor the pound. The blessing of God can make you rich no matter what the economy is. So your faith has to be in God as your source. Your job can't be your source. One of the things people found out in the last 20 years as the economy shifted, as industries shifted, and things that were once faithful industries are wiped out. If that industry was your source now, what are you going to do? But if God is your source and you realize that your job is a resource, it doesn't matter if one river dries up, God's got a thousand more. So it doesn't matter if you're by the brook Sheriff and it dries up. God says, here's where you need to go because I've commanded this thing to sustain you. That's why your hope and your trust has to be in the Lord. Don't look to men. Don't look into the policies of men. Now, it would be great if the government does something that blesses you, but your faith can't be in the American government who is broke. Your faith can't be in donkeys or elephants, libertarians, independents, whoever you want to call your faith can't be in Wall Street. Your faith has to be in God. Go to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. So we need wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 8, you see wisdom personified. And it says, does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? You keep reading. It says, wisdom is crying in the street. Hey, come get some wisdom. All you stupid people, please come get wisdom. It says, wisdom is crying out. You get to verse 11. It says, for wisdom is better than rubies. Now, before you go, well, I'm not stupid. We all have areas in our lives that we're stupid in. And once you realize that, you'll be able to get some wisdom. Because when you think you know everything, you can't get wisdom. And all the parents of teenagers said, Amen. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Verse 18, riches and honor are with me wisdom. Yea, durable riches and righteousness. See, some people get rich and it disappears. But wisdom brings riches that last. Do you know people who learn how to make a lot of money? Even if it's taken from them, you can't take their wisdom. You take everything, they just go and make more. Wisdom is more valuable than the money that it brings. But wisdom will bring money. Because as my fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver, I lead in the way of righteousness and am the path of judgment. So you can be rich and not be crooked. You can be rich and not evil. You can be the richest, the rich, just person. You can be righteous and rich if you follow the path of wisdom. Because if you follow the way of the world to get rich, you will violate the law of love. You will step on people, step over people to get what you can get. 
But if you walk in love and follow the wisdom of God, you're not going to be stepping on people. You'll be helping other people up. <laughs> Verse 21, that I may cause those that love me wisdom to inherit or to possess substance, and I will fill their treasures. That word treasure, once again, is storehouse. So not only is there a storehouse in heaven with your name on it, you can have storehouses on earth. Now, most of us, we think about storehouses. Oh, he's talking about a garage. I got enough of that, Pastor. I got a ton of stuff in my garage. I don't even know what's in there. But that's not the storehouse he's talking about. He's talking about your bank account. Have you ever researched how much it takes to fill up your bank account? Do you know what you do with people? You keep filling up bank accounts, the bank will come meet with you. It's like, no, let's talk about some other investment opportunities. I know Brother Jesse's been in the news a lot. But I remember he told a story to us years ago. And he talked about how the economy shifted, but the Lord told him where to invest, where not to invest. And so all the investments that he does, because he's a businessman, he owns businesses outside of ministry. People think, oh, he makes his money from the ministry. I've been around all these people long enough, and I've seen them. These are businessmen with multiple businesses. But that's another message. And so he invested very wisely, and everything he invested in made tons of money. So Christmas Day, the vice president of the bank comes to his house with a huge fruit basket. Now, Brother Jesse wasn't expecting company, so he says, I'm in my, like, raggedy sweatpants, you know. Got to hold them up. That's how old they are. And he comes to the door, and I'm like, what are you doing here? He says, well, Mr. Duplantis, everything you invested in made money this year. And we kind of want to know how you did it. He says, well, the Lord told me, so I followed him. And so he says, give him the fruit basket. Next time the Lord speaks to you, please let us know. Because <laughs> where is the proof of the gospel for them? He made money when everyone else lost money. So now they're willing to go to a Christian to get advice because that Christian prospered. Go to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with you, so that you incline your ear unto wisdom and imply your heart to understanding. Yea, if you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hid treasures, then you shall understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. He lays up stores up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. So there's wisdom for you no matter what you face. So we have to learn how to get this wisdom. Number one, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding come from the Word of God. Number one, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding come from the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 99 says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. From your testimonies are my meditation. Verse 104 says, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Verse 120, 130, excuse me, says the entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding unto the simple. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in your heart in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
So number one, the word of God contains wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. James 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Number two, ask God for wisdom. Number two, ask God for wisdom. And when you ask God for wisdom, be specific. God, I just, don't, I just need wisdom for my day. No, be more specific. Pull out your calendar for your day. Father, I need wisdom in this meeting. I need wisdom as I handle this situation. I need wisdom for this conversation. I don't know what to say when I get to this meeting, but I ask for your wisdom so that I'll know what to say. Be specific. And then it says, ask in faith. How do you ask in faith? You believe you receive. Mark eleven twenty four. Another word for receive means to take, which means when you pray for wisdom, you take the wisdom. So you don't leave prayer saying, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, if you say that, then you didn't take wisdom. You didn't pray in faith, and your prayer didn't work. I didn't say you knew in your mind what you're going to do by saying you said amen. I said your faith said, I take my wisdom. And so while you live your life, God tells you what to do because you've already received it in faith. Because if you pray for wisdom, and then you start going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to do. You're like a wave of the sea. Toss back and forth. One day you're in faith. One day you're not in faith. One day you're in faith. One day you're not in faith. You're going back and forth, back and forth. And James says you're not going to receive anything from God. So you have to stay in faith if you expect to receive wisdom from God. So that means you have to stop saying, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. You got to stop saying that. Well, Pastor, what should I say? I don't know what I'm going to do yet. But when the time comes, I'm going to know exactly what I need to do. Change your confession. Your words can cancel out your prayers. Didn't the angel tell Daniel, we have come for your words. Your words can give angels access to bless your life, and your words can handcuff your angels. So many of you have put angels on the unemployment line saying, we will work for a faith confession. But if you keep your mouth in line with the word of God, then your angels can do what they're meant to do. Go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5. Look at number 3. Get wisdom, it says in verse 5. Get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve you. Love her, and she shall keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all your getting, get understanding. Number three, we are to research information and get understanding about whatever subject we are facing and whatever area we believe we're called to work in. The Bible is not against higher education. The Bible is not against you reading business magazines and investment magazines and blogs and studying trends and the laws of economics. Research. Read. One of the things I was telling my staff this week, we're leaders, so we have to be learners. So I expect them to read things to keep them at the top of their craft and whatever they're doing. I expect them to study the culture and study trends. How's what we're doing affected our culture and do our methods need to change so that we can continue to be effective? Because we're not married to methods, we're married to principles. Methods can change. Something else I told my staff, we ain't going to be blockbuster. We'll change with the times as necessary so that we can do what God has called us to do. 
Why? The call is more important than the method. Will you be married to a method or will you be married to the call of God? That's the same thing you have to do in your business. Well, we've always done it this way. That's the last words of a dying business. Because you realize things change. But thank God you got the Holy Ghost who will tell you things to come. He'll even lead you to certain books to read. He'll lead you to certain people to talk to. One of the things, you know, there was a situation that came on my desk, something I was believing God for to take care of, and it was about to get to the point where it was about to stress me out. It already began to stress me out, and I'm believing God for it and praying about it. And so I'm sitting at my desk, and it's just a gentle nudge in my heart. Email so-and-so. So I did. They replied back to me in a couple days. Here's what you should do. And as a result, save thousands of dollars. This church saved thousands of dollars from wisdom that came from the Spirit. Now, people think, well, I'm praying for God for wisdom. It's not going to be in a big thundercloud. It's a big, the bit still, small voice. It's the nudge on the inside. So how do I learn to hear it? I think we have a few of the books left in our bookstores, How to Be Led by the Spirit of God, by Kenneth Hagin, one of the best books on the subject. It teaches all the different ways God speaks to you. Because once you learn to hear his voice, you'll learn how to profit. So as you research all this information and study all this information, know that every information, everything you study, still has to bow its knee to Jesus. So if the word of God says do something and that business magazine says don't do it, you follow the word of God. In my economics class at ORU, the teacher taught us the laws of economics, all the curves, all the different things. And he says, if you remember one thing from my class, I need you to remember this. The Holy Ghost trumps all. So if the curves say it's going to do something, do this, but the Holy Ghost told you no, it's going to do this, you follow the Holy Ghost. So research, study to show yourself approved. Increase in wisdom and understanding and whatever field you're in. But take that information to the Holy Ghost. Say, how should I correctly apply this? For he is the spirit of wisdom. So number one, go to the Word of God. Number two, ask God for wisdom. Number three, research well whatever you're facing in whatever field you are in. God wants to prosper his people through wisdom. And as you read Proverbs 8, that wisdom of God is by nature creative. So he's like, well, I don't know what to do. The wisdom of God can create what you should do. Go to Psalm 5. Psalm 5, verse 12. Wrap this up. God will prosper you through wisdom. But he will also prosper you through favor. Favor. Now, about a month ago, we taught on the grace of God. And it has 21 different definitions. And we covered a number of those definitions. But one of those definitions we didn't cover that day is favor. One of the 21 definitions of grace is favor. Psalm 5.12 is for, for you, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. Will you, with favor, will you compass them with a shield? In other words, the favor of God surrounds you like a shield. That's part of my faith confession. The favor of God surrounds me as a shield. Before people encounter me, they encounter the favor of God. And so when I started getting a revelation of favor, it was about 18 years ago, and so it became a part of my daily confession. I'm talking about the favor of God that's on my life. And so I remember years go by, and there would be just certain situations that I'd be in. I'd go to churches I'd never been to. No one knows me. And they just show me all types of favor. 
Men and women of God I've never met before, but they said, hey, let's pour into you. All types of favor. I get into political meetings. People on both parties want to talk to me and show me all types of favor. Law enforcement shows me all types of favor to the point I counsel them. And I'm going, well, how is this happening, God? He says, you remember what you've been saying since you were 14? Here's my faith confession since I was 14. I have favor with God, man, and government. I have favor with presidents, queens, kings, dictators, law officers, and men of influence. I have favor with pastors and churches and ministries. The favor, God, that's upon my life caused people to go out of the way and bless me in every way possible. The favor God goes before me causes men and women to go out of the way daily to bless me every way possible. The favor God goes before me causes my harvest to come to me speedily for I've needed for my sake and the sake of the gospel. The favor God goes before me and prospers my way. The favor God that's upon me causes people to receive the word of God that's upon my lips. So I've been talking about favor everywhere I go. So I run into situations and my favor is already there. I go into situations, people don't know me, but they want to bless me. They may not like me. They may not like men. They may not like black people. They may not like tall people. They may not like preachers, but it don't matter. I got favor. Favor can come over all the other isms people throw your way. Because then it say the favor of God is limited to the people like you. Let me show that example. Book of Exodus. God told Moses in Exodus 3 to 1, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow, that word borrow actually means demand, to request, to ask of her neighbor, and of her that sojourns in her house, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, raiment, and you shall put them on your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. But notice it's also the person that stays in their house. So if there is someone who was just visiting that weekend, and they're just staying in the house of the Egyptian. God says, you go up and ask from them as well. You get to chapter 11, verse 3, and it's about God gave the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. You have to think the Egyptians don't like them. They created a whole policy to keep them bound, to enslave them. But when God gave them favor, even after empire was judged, even after the firstborn was destroyed, even after Egypt lies in ruins, here comes the people of Israel. Hey, good to see you. I like that dress. I like that suit. I like that ring. I like, you know, I like that rod. You know, that, that money you just got yesterday, I like that too. Give it to me. And the people, they're like, of course. Why not? Do you want something else too? I just got a new camel. You want them to? It's like, well, pastor, that doesn't make sense. Favor does not make sense, and favor is not fair. But you better get you some. The favor of God on your life can cause people that hate you to bless you. So stop saying they don't like me because I'm this. They don't like me because I'm that. It doesn't matter if you got favor. They can be racist, but they still bless you anyways. They don't understand. They hate you, but they're going to bless you. They may not like you because you're a woman, but that don't matter. You got favor, and they're going to bless you. They may think you're too old or too young. That does not matter. You have favor, so they're going to bless you. 
So don't buy into the narrative that you can't prosper because of this, that, or the other. You have the favor of God. You have the blessing of God. So it does not matter what the news says. It does not matter what the government says. It does not matter what people said. As long as God says I'm blessed, as long as God gave me favor, as long as I have his Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter who be against me, for God is for me. You have to stand in that truth and open your mouth and proclaim the favor of God every single day. And the small things and the big, let the favor of God go before you. Joseph sold into slavery. You get to Genesis 39. He's bought. He's in this house from another place. Doesn't know the language, but it says God gives him favor. And he rules the entire house. It says Potiphar did not know anything except what he would eat. Potiphar don't care no more. Joseph here. Joseph makes all the decisions. He just knew what was on his plate in his menu. Favor promoted Joseph. In a situation where he should have been kept down as a 17-year-old slave, he now ruled the entire house. He told everybody what to do because of the favor of God. Slaves don't get to make their decisions. So it doesn't matter what people call you. It just matters what God calls you and what you call yourself. So Joseph gets lied on, and he's thrown into prison and labeled a sex offender. He's in a political prison. There's no judge. There's no jury. There's no fair trial. He's locked up. But it says God gave him favor with the person over the prison. And everybody in the prison now has to listen to Joseph. Joseph's in charge. You don't give the prisoner that responsibility. But it doesn't matter what people call you or where you are when you got the favor of God. And the favor of God put Joseph in a position to interpret the dreams for these two political leaders. And eventually, as we know the story, Joseph is released from prison, and he goes from being a prisoner to prime minister. And God gave him favor in the sight of Pharaoh. To the point Joseph said, when his family came down, he says, God has made me a father to Pharaoh. Joseph is 30. Pharaoh's a grown man. But this Pharaoh who's over the empire looks at Joseph, yeah, whatever you want to do, Dad. The favor of God. The favor took this kid from the pit in the prison and brought him to the palace. You have to declare it's palace time for my life. I'm done with the pit. I'm done with the prison. I'm done being bitter. I'm done with unforgiveness. I'm done with what people called me. I'm done with people's labels. I have the favor of God. It's time for me to go up because promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south. It comes from the Lord. So don't keep trying to, well, well, if I suck up to my boss, I'll get promoted. Why don't you get before God and let God promote you? The favor of God will promote you. You read through the book of Esther. This young woman, a Jew, is in a land. She's orphaned, raised by her uncle. There's a change in political power. The queen is no longer the queen. And the king's like, well, I need a new wife. Better make that wives. Another story. So they hold a beauty contest of who's going to become the next queen. And so here comes Esther. She's picked for this contest. And so for a long period of time, here is her job to get massages every day, 
to have a spa day every day for month after month after month. That is her new job right now. Before she even meets the king. Some of you are like, yes, Jesus, that favor of God can work on my life. <laughs> and it says when she went to meet the king, it says the king loved her more than anyone else. So she became queen. So she went from a young orphan to now the queen of an empire by the favor of God. But now she's in this position. She has some authority, but not a lot of authority. Because under the laws of the Persians, no one can come into the king's palace and throne room unless he's given you permission. So even if she's queen, she can still lose her life. A plot arises to kill and exterminate all the Jews. That's what Satan tries to do all the time. Esther comes to know, but she's nervous. She says, I can't talk to the king. He hasn't called to see me in a month. And her uncle says, you know, God will deliver his people. We wanted to come through you, but if not, God will deliver them through someone else, and you and your house are done for. So she says, here's what I need to do. Go to all the Jews to pray for three days, and me and my ladies, we're going to pray too. So they prayed for three days. It says Esther puts on her royal garbs. She puts on the favor of God because the word clothed is italicized. It says she put on her royal. So yes, it's her royal garments, but it's also who God has called her to be, the grace and the favor that's on her life. She walks in her purpose and makes her request known. And God has given her wisdom. Instead of saying, Haman, that dude sitting next to you wants to kill me, hey, why don't you come to a dinner party? Sure, I love dinner parties. So he comes, he's talking, hey, why don't you come again tomorrow and bring Haman with you? That's a great idea. And so Haman has devised this plot to kill all the Jews. And he didn't realize that Esther was a Jew. See, sin will make you stupid and blind you to stuff. And so the king comes back the next day. And she's like, now, Esther, what do you really want? I'll give you up to half the kingdom. Look how strong that favor is. I'll give you half the empire. The empire stretched into Asia and to Africa and throughout Europe. I'll give you half of it. That's faith. He says, what do you really want? He says, that wicked man, Haman. Haman's right there. He's not like all the way over the room. He's right there. He has came up with a plot to kill me and all my people. The king loved Haman. He trusted Haman. So now he's perplexed. He storms out and begins to pace, and Haman knows he's done for. So he falls on Esther's reclining couch and grabs a hold of her and begs her for his life. But the king comes back, and it doesn't, he thinks Haman is trying to attack Esther. So he orders, kill Haman, and hang him on the gallows he built for the Jews. See, just because people try to set you up, don't be so concerned with their setup. Because God's going to set them up, and they're going to fall by their own setup. So don't be so concerned with your haters and all those people trying to trip you up. You focus on God. You walk in love. You forgive everybody of everything, and let the blessing of the Lord and the favor of God do its job. And as one result in the woman in the favor of God, the entire Jews were delivered. That's why they still celebrate Purim to this day. Favor got it to that place. You look at Daniel. You study out, they're probably about sophomores in high school when their kingdom falls and they're taken from their homeland and brought to Babylon. The king took the, the smartest, the ones who looked the best, who trained them the ways of the Babylonians so they could be a state's people. And so they did things different. They ate differently. But Daniel says, I don't want to violate the law of my God. So he and his three friends came to the leader and says, hey, 
change what we eat. Just give us this, that, and the other. It's not because they want us to fast. It's because they're not going to eat the crazy things the king's people ate. They decided we're going to follow God even with our diet and everything else in our life. And so the king's assigned person over that unit says, what? I can't do that because if you look sickly, then the king's going to kill me. And Daniel says, just give us 10 days. If we don't look better than everybody else in 10 days, then we'll go back and eat whatever you want us to eat. Fine, 10 days. Of course, they look better than everyone else. And their policy over them was changed. So the favor of God can change policies. The favor of God can cause wicked people to do you good. The favor of God can cause wicked men to change policies and rules and regulations for your benefit. Stop focusing on wicked people and focus on the favor of God. When you look at Psalms 44, you see the children of Israel who crossed the horizon to the promised land. They possessed the land because God gave them favor. Luke 2.52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We need to increase in wisdom, but we also need to increase in favor. We need to grow in both. Acts 2.47, let's close here. Acts 2.47 is after the day of Pentecost, and Peter preaches that amazing message. And 3,000 people are added to the kingdom of God. When we look at Acts 2.47, it says, praising God. And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Wait a minute. Not only can the favor of God change things for your benefit, not only can the favor of God bring harvest your way, not can only the favor of God remove wicked people who have set you up. The favor of God can come on your life and help you win the lost. They don't hear nothing about Jesus, but they want to talk to you. Brother Jerry Savelle tells a story, and I'll close here. He talked about how he was part of the National Guard, and he had signed up to serve. And he said he signed up to serve, and there was this guy from his city. Everyone knew him because his parents and his family had a lot of money. But this guy was a true heathen, like he had expert degrees in being a heathen. And he says, you know, some people say That person is a thorn in their side. He says he was an entire bush. (laughs) And so he would try to trip up Brother Jerry and everything, try to get his faith twisted, try to challenge him, but he never succeeded. But Brother Jerry walked in love towards him. And so this went on every time they would call up to serve, every weekend when they went to go do different things as the National Guard called them. This is kind of what it was. But years went by, and Brother Jerry is now involved in ministry. He hasn't started his ministry yet, but he's doing street ministry, ministering to people, ministering to drug addicts, preaching the gospel, preaching the word of faith. And he gets a call from that person, and they say, hey, can you come meet me in my office? I sure, where's your office? It's downtown. So he comes down there, and the secretary says, oh, I'll go tell so-and-so that you're here. And this man comes out of his office with money in his hands and throws it at Brother Jerry's feet. And says, hold on, I got some more, and runs back and gets more money. And throws it at Brother Jerry's feet. And so, you know, Brother Jerry's going, huh? And the secretary's all wide-eyed. And this man is getting louder. and says, I don't know what's going on. I haven't been able to sleep since the last time I talked to you. And I just know I'm supposed to take some of my money and give it to you. And I have a feeling you know what this is about. He says, I do. He says, what's it about? He says, the wealth of the wicked 
is laid up for the just. I'm the just, and you're the wicked. If you keep on your path, I'm going to end up with everything you got. Do you know what that man did? He fell to his knees. Lead me to Jesus. He got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and has been a deacon in his church for 40 years. The favor of God led a man who had wanted nothing to do with Jesus to a situation that he gave his life to Jesus. So one of the things I want you to believe with me is that we have an outpouring of favor in this 10-mile radius to where all those who are far from God find us irresistible. It doesn't matter what religion they're in. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter their lifestyle. It doesn't matter. I don't care what sin they're in. It's sin. But they love us. And they want to be around us. And as they're around us, they find out about our Jesus. And their life is transformed forever. It gets to Acts 4.33. And great grace was upon them all. We're believing for great grace on our church. One commentary says great grace is grace in its full bestowment. So that's also favor in its full bestowment. We're believing for great favor on our church. As us as individuals, as we do what God has called us to do and businesses and all the other arenas, but also favor on us so that we can win the lost. You say, well, is that just about numbers? Yeah, because every number is a person, and there are people heading towards hell every single day. It's time to be about the Father's business and win people for Jesus. You want to prosper? Find out how to win more people to Jesus, and you'll see yourself prosper even more. You'll think everything you've done before is, wow, that was small. Now that I've dedicated myself to bringing people to Jesus, I prosper even more. So how do I do that, Pastor? That's next Sunday. Stand to your feet. Let's go ahead and lift our hands and thank God for the blessing of the Lord. To thank him for the wisdom of God. To thank him for the favor of God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom. And we thank you for your favor and the leading of your spirit. Now help us not just to be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word this week that we may grow and do everything you've called us to do. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.